0: Or five. If you're with us today for the first time or for the first time in a long time uh, We're in a series entitled a biblical church uh, Where we are returning Sunday after Sunday the word of God to see what Jesus Christ who is the head of the church Who's the founder of the church what he has to say about what the church is and how the church Should function and we care what Jesus has to say rather than so many other voices that want to tell the church what they should be We care what jesus has to say because the church belongs to jesus He through his blood as acts chapter 20 20 verse 28 says he redeemed he purchased the church to himself And as much as jesus loves the church though It seems like there's many voices some in the church some out of the church that that view Coming together as as optional It's almost like church is treated as as a spiritual gym membership so I'm going to use the word gym here to, to say a few things But I want you to think and, and replace the word gym with the word church in your mind You know, there's those who go to the gym religiously Because they like the way it makes them feel and look And there's those who go to the gym only when it's convenient to their schedule There's those who start going to the gym after they get really bad news or know they need to make a lifestyle change There's those who have a gym membership, but never go. They just talk about all the things they used to do. Jesus, though, he loves the church. He calls the church his bride. He calls the church his body. And the the beauty is that not only did Jesus lay his life down to redeem us, but it is through his mission in the church that he continues his work of perfecting us. Ephesians chapter 5 is such a beautiful passage as it talks of all that Jesus does to wash us, cleanse us, to make us into a glorious, spotless bride. He chose us when we were flawed, and he makes us imperfect, he makes us perfect. And he does that through his work in us and through himself in the church. And so, so far, we've looked at five different biblical characteristics uh, that need to be a part of every New Testament church. Uh, We've looked at how the worship of God is important because we exist for the glory of God. How the word of God is important. It's what we listen to and it's what we obey. How prayer is us approaching God saying, well, I know what I'd ask for, but I want to ask what you already want. And so we approach God in prayer so our heart aligns to God. We have a biblical community where we can gather together and do life together with Jesus Christ as the center and in such a way that love and unity is displayed in those relationships in such a way that those outside see in and ask questions, which leads us to then, where we were a few weeks ago, evangelism. And what is evangelism? Evangelism is lovingly proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ with a prayerful hope that God will complete his work of salvation. And this is where we got to two weeks ago: that the work to share Jesus is ours, but the work to save is God's alone. A few weeks ago I was reading a book on evangelism, it was written by an author named Mac. He identified himself as growing up in the 70s, he was a college student in the 70s, and he identified himself as a Jesus freak. He had managed to lead his college roommate to the lord And the two of them decided that they wanted to go to the big downtown church of their college town he Described this incident. He was walking in with a bright purple trench coat And bell-bottom blue jeans Sporting an afro and he said I walked into a world of crew cuts and three-piece suits said we sat down on the end but near the back so we were nowhere close and he basically described the church service as pretty simple you know we sang some songs and the preacher preached the sermon and then we got to the end that he didn't know it but it was what people would call the invitation he said the pastor said now now, if you're gonna leave at all during the service I want you to leave during the sermon don't leave during the invitation because this is the most important part of the service the preacher made the appeal during the invitation if anyone wants to give their heart to Jesus, I want you to come forward. And he said, as soon as he said that, like all these people walking to the front of the building. But he said he didn't find out till later. Many of them were ushers who were just, they were told that they needed to be at the front of the auditorium. The pastor went on to say, if you, if you won't stand for Jesus in a church building, you won't stand for Jesus out in the world. And he's like, that made perfect sense. When he said that, my friend looked at me. He's like, I want to stand for Jesus. Should I go up to the front? And Max said, well, I mean, it won't hurt, right? So the two of them left their seats and they started walking toward the front. And and they were so uniquely, well, individually different than everyone else around them. The pastor saw them and actually came off of Platform to meet them and he said What can I do for you speaking to mac And he said well i'm just here with my Friend he he trusted christ And he wants to take a stand For jesus like you asked He looked at this boy In the long trench coat blue Bell bottom blue jeans and afro and Said well are you a christian And he said well yes sir He said well would you like to Rededicate your life to jesus That i had No idea what that meant But it really sounded good. And so he said, well, yes, sir Yes, sir He said that moment the the pastor had both of these boys that had come forward stand up stand next to him He said and he looked up at the television camera that was in the balcony And he said folks These two boys just came forward to give their lives to jesus It's The same thing you could do sitting at home where you are right now patted the boys on the back and they eventually made their way back to their seat and the author he he said this he said it took me a very long time to understand moment today he serves as a pastor he's written a book on evangelism and after sharing his experience he said i read you just a bit he said i am not opposed to altar calls or invitations But if I could go back in time, I would share with the pastor to reflect on his words that the invitation was the most important part of the service. How could he think his appeals to the crowd through the words of a man would truly be more important than rightly proclaiming the word of God? He said, I would beg the church, please, when you teach, please don't teach people how to behave during an invitation. Teach clearly what the gospel is and what is required of a person to turn to Christ. Don't confuse human response to a move of the Spirit of God. Don't lie about results just to look better. And listen carefully. And please, 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 be wary of calling people Christians without some evidence they are truly converted followers he would later in the book and this is another instance that stood out to me he would later tell of a time he took a friend to listen to mark dever mark is a a pastor actually in dc an incredibly gospel-centered theologically sound pastor He said he he brought a friend to listen to him preach a friend that had recently been converted And he said we got to meet him after the service and my friend walked up to him and said pastor Dever he said i i've recently become a believer in jesus Most of us would say wonderful good job praise the lord The pastor looked at him and said tell me what you mean by that The man went on and explained a little bit of of his conversion experience, and Pastor Dever put his hand on his shoulder and with a smile said, You understand, my brother, that the mark of true conversion is not a prayer, but a long-term walk with Jesus. So even though I believe you have come to Christ, we'll see what happens as time goes on. I think why that, those portions in the book struck me so much is because they struck so close to home. Because I've seen the big invitations. I've, I've been a part of them. Many conferences and, and revivals and, and church services where the, the people will, will raise a hand or they'll stand where they are or even come join the preacher on the platform and the emphasis was placed on the response. Of the crowd And please don't get me wrong don't, Please don't get me wrong I, I want to celebrate the work of God In the heart of anybody's life But if we're not careful And please just listen carefully what I say I'm not, please don't think I'm, I'm Trying to be critical in any way But if we're not careful We can celebrate the charisma And the charm of a man Who influenced people By his words or coming To him Rather than coming to Jesus And praying a prayer might be good and I know people Who have been saved by praying a prayer in church and raising a hand or coming forward during an invitation Might be good and I know people who were saved in those types of experiences but evangelism Is not about teaching someone how to rightly respond to an invitation evangelism teaching someone to rightly respond to Jesus. So this morning, I want to return with you back to Matthew chapter 16, where a few Sundays we looked at at two elements of evangelism in, in Matthew chapter number 16, where we see the word church first used, and we also see Jesus declaring what the foundation of the church will be. It will be the confession Peter makes of who Jesus is. And so in Matthew chapter 16, if you'll join me, verse 13, Jesus asks his disciples, who do others say that I am? Verse 14, they tell him. Verse 15 says, but who do you say that I am? And we read these earlier. That's why I'm not reading them now. But verse 16 is where I want to start. Chapter 16, verse 16 of Matthew. Simon Peter replies, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Peter's confession is you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the promised deliverer of Israel. The one we have been awaiting for. You are the son of God. And Jesus responds in verse 17 by saying, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And Jesus is basically saying you're right, but you didn't figure that out on your own. God revealed it to you. that should key us in on the work of God in salvation. It's not just about what I do. It's about what God does on my behalf. Verse 18, Jesus will go on to say, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So in these few verses, and we talked about this two weeks ago, Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter, which means rock. And then Jesus says, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Not Peter, not the rock of Peter, but the rock of Peter's confession. The foundation, the rock of the church is the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And two weeks ago, we saw in Acts chapter 2, this is exactly what Peter takes to the crowd on the day of Pentecost. He tells them who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And we see 3,000 souls coming to Christ and joining the church. But as Jesus continues, he closes his time with Peter by saying, then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. we, We know this because Well, he doesn't want anyone to know he's the Messiah because he knows he has a mission to fulfill. I have come to die. But if the people find out he's the Messiah, they will want to crown him, not crucify him. So he has to hide it for a brief time. But after his mission is complete, after he he dies, after he is buried, and after he is resurrected, he, he now gathers his disciples and as the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations. And in Acts chapter 1, he says, Now be my witnesses unto Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But what follows verse 20 is so unique. His disciples, through the mouth of Peter, are confessing who Jesus is. Now Jesus begins to teach them and them alone what he must do. Verse 21 says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now that you know who I am, let me tell you what I must do. I must suffer and die at the hands of wicked men, but I will rise again because you know who I am. I am the Lord. And that may seem like common knowledge to us if we've grown up in church or if we've read the scriptures If we know the story of jesus we get it But you have to understand these men the the deliverer the messiah that they have been waiting for He was going to free israel from their enemies He was going to lead to a great victory to redeem god's people and bring god's rule back Which to them meant israel would be in charge and now this one messiah this one deliverer the one they are saying we're you're the one we've been waiting for. Now he's saying, and I will die. And that just didn't, that just didn't fit. Which explains why Peter says what he does in verse 22. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Now, please don't get upset at Peter. Like, again, the the Messiah Peter was going to bring deliverance now that he knows who the Messiah is, the Messiah says he's going to be delivered. Well, no, 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 no. That's what you're going to do. Do you find it so interesting that Peter calls him Lord and then says, and here's what you're going to do. Verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men, man. Wait, so Jesus responds to the man. He just changed his name to the rock and said, what you just said is going to be the foundation of the church. Now get behind me, Satan. Because although who Jesus was, he was trying to stop Jesus from what he was called to do. Did he know who Jesus was? He had just confessed it. Did he understand what Jesus was called to do? No, he's trying to get in the way. Peter wanted Jesus to be Lord on Peter's terms. But a truth we must all come to understand as we follow Christ is that the person of Jesus cannot be separated from the work of Jesus the christ the messiah the lord the son of god he came to suffer and die at the hands of wicked men in order to satisfy god's holy and just wrath against sin and i know there's some of you saying pastor what in the world does this have to do with evangelism evangelism is telling but see it has everything to do with evangelism and i'm not going to say this I'm not going to say this glibly or lightly. It brings great conviction to my heart to say this. It's very possible that many people who are professing Christians will spend an eternity in hell because they don't believe the full truth of who Jesus is. See, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says it himself. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And every time I read these words, I'm cut to my heart because Jesus is going to say two verses later, they're going to say, didn't we do this and do this and do this in your name? And he's going to respond. I never knew you depart from me. And departure from Jesus is the sentence to eternal hell. But they called the Lord. And I believe it's so important to understand because the well-meaning and well-intentioned evangelism of many churches and of many Christians lacks the full truth of Jesus. Please listen. Going to say and don't misunderstand me and if you think i'm wrong I would love for you to talk to me about this and show me in scripture because I am not trying to say i'm right I'm trying to say my heart hurts When we share the truth of jesus We must declare the person of jesus And the work of jesus He is lord and savior and the two cannot be separated but what i know happens because i have done this is that it is very easy to present the partiality because we want to lead people to a prayer or to a decision our only hope jesus is our only hope to escape the eternal punishment of hell he's our only way to heaven and it says it so clearly in romans 6 23 that the free gift of god eternal life it is only a gift we don't earn it but the verse closes by saying in christ jesus our lord And what I know we can be guilty of doing is hastily delivering a message of salvation just to lead someone through a prayer without including the full truth of Jesus. I can't even begin to tell you, and I'm embarrassed. I don't want to say this, but I have to. I have led multiple people through a prayer and walked away giving them an assurance that they are on their way to heaven because they prayed a prayer never one time they recognize Christ is now their Lord. It would never come out like this. But if we were to dig deep into the heart of many professing Christians, they live as if, yes, Jesus is my Savior, but I can be my own Lord. live the way i want i can do what i want i already prayed the prayer and i'm good jesus is my savior but i'll i'll just be my own lord but that is separating the work of jesus from the person of jesus he is our savior and our lord because let's just go back to matthew 23 for just another moment and look at the next two verses that jesus says to his disciples then jesus told his disciples if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it you understand to follow jesus is to lose your life you lose the ability to live but you lose the ability to live for yourself you start living for someone else you're no longer Lord Jesus is your lord it doesn't mean you don't fail and we fail daily the apostle paul makes it so clear in romans 7 i do what i don't want to do and what i know i'm supposed to do i don't do but here's the thing when jesus is our lord it is we have a regular time of repentance where we come back to jesus and say i know what i should do and i give failing i am so sorry the people who profess to be christians that need to be very careful to check their salvation are people who say i can do whatever i want i can live however i want i can be my own lord it doesn't matter i prayed a prayer when i was little and that hurts to say but it's so true On the flip side, we have professing Christians who who they believe that Jesus sits in heaven watching every good or bad thing they're doing and kind of piling them up on one side, waiting the day we stand before him where he's going to hold the scales and then let go. And whichever side falls, that's, that's going to be the determining factor. You spend eternity, which leads them to spend every day of their life hoping that their good works are providing an escape from hell and earning a way to heaven. Again, it's as if you dig to the core of the heart, you might say that they would say, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, I believe Jesus died on the cross. Yes, I believe Jesus is Lord, but I have to help be my own Savior. I know Jesus died for me, but I'll never get to heaven if I don't live a good life. That's why Paul went to great lengths to You're saved by God's mercy, he says in Titus chapter 3. And you're saved by God's grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, mercy meaning we don't get what we do deserve. We deserve hell and by his mercy we don't get it. And, and we, grace says we get what we don't And by God's grace, we're gifted the righteousness of Jesus. We don't deserve that. We only get it by his grace. But Paul wants to shout it from the housetops. You don't earn heaven through your good works. Even if you think Jesus is the son of God. You just can't separate the person of Jesus, from the work of Jesus, the the angel comes to announce it in Bethlehem. Says unto you, born this day in the city of David, what a Savior, who is Christ, the Lord. Peter or Paul will say it. Jude will say it. Peter says it four times. Peter's the one who's corrected right there in Matthew sixteen, right? Peter's corrected, and I think Peter gets it, like. Okay, I get it. So he's going to repeat it over and over and over. The confession. Jesus is Savior and Lord. Jesus is Lord and Savior. Okay, Pastor. Okay. You've spent a long deal of time telling us what salvation is. Like, why so long on salvation? This is about us being an evangelistic church. I'll tell you why. Well, Without a clear understanding of Jesus. One will not possess a clear of salvation. We cannot go to others with the message of Christ and say, just pray this prayer. You can live how you want to, but just pray this prayer. That's not the full truth. We also can't go and say, yes, Jesus died for you, but you have to live this way. That's, that's not the full truth truth of jesus either method of evangelism will leave people who are truly lost believing that they have been saved say ah, that'll never happen don't forget 11 disciples never figured out a true follower today by bringing you to second corinthians chapter 5 because in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul beautifully brings the message of salvation to the call of evangelism. Remember, evangelism is lovingly proclaiming the truth of Jesus with the prayerful hope that God will complete his work of salvation. And here's what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm not going to put up verse 11, but it says... Therefore knowing the fear of the lord we persuade others So he's going to start saying we know what comes for those who die in their sins And we want to persuade them of the truth, but i'm going to begin in verse 14 It says for the love of christ controls us pause Wait, so that means something is dictating my life I don't control myself love of christ controls me well is that the love christ has for me or the love i have for christ yes i mean you can't have love for christ without understanding his love for you we love him because he first loved us so his love controls what we do goes on to say because we have concluded this that one has died for all Therefore, all have died. One died in all of our places. That one who died is Jesus. That's our work of our Savior. Yes. But keep reading. Verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Wait. So, did he die for me to set me free, or did he die for me so that I can live how I want? No, he died for you so that you can live no longer for yourself. Well, then who do I live for? (laughs) He Finishes it off by saying, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Oh, you see the beauty in this? Jesus died for you so that you don't suffer eternal death. He offers eternal life. So that as you continue to live because he died for you, you no longer live for you. You live for him. Lord and Savior. Verse 17. Look at verse 17 therefore if anyone is in christ and david just said this he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come verse 18 all this is from god who through christ reconciled us to himself you see that all 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 this is from god it's all from god the plan of salvation was god's plan The accomplishing of salvation was done by god and guess where you go through christ to god he reconciles us to himself and then it says And gave us the ministry of reconciliation verse 19 that is in christ God was reconciling the world to himself not Counting their trespasses against them and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. That is evangelism. You and I understanding that through Christ we have been reconciled to God and now we take that message to others. Oh, and what's the message that we get to take to others? I think this is one of the greatest verses in all of the scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, get this, making his appeal through us. Ha! God uses us to appeal to those who aren't reconciled to him how how many times have we ever said you have got to understand I am God's and you can be too he's wanting to appeal to people through us we're ambassadors Paul says we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God and then this this just should set off fireworks in your heart for our sake He made him who knew no sin So that in him We might become the righteousness of God I know that there are but that is one of the greatest verses in the Bible I know there's others and I know you have your favorite but that verse God made him who knew no sin to be sin. So that we in Christ might become the righteousness of God, the great exchange. He takes my sin. He gives me his righteousness. That is the message we are called as ambassadors and evangelists to deliver. I think most Christians want to be evangelists. They want to deliver the news to their, to their friends and to their family and to their coworkers. They want to see people come to Christ, but they're afraid, well, what if I offend them or what if I don't know how to defend myself? The problem with evangelism is not that we don't know what to say. It's that we don't know how to be ourselves. We are reconciled why don't we want to just share that good news that you can be reconciled to? The apostles, I think it was John that said, we cannot, in the book of Acts, we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. God's not calling you to tell something you've not seen and you've not heard. He wants this church to be a church of evangelists that we have recognized that our Lord is also our Savior. He has given his life for me so that I will live my life for him. And so, so what? Briefly, know the truth, embrace the truth, and rehearse the message daily. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. To die in your place, to live a perfect life and to die in your place and to rise from the dead, to give you life. And as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saved i believe you're the son of god you're my lord i believe you made the full payment for my sin you are my savior and go back to that day after day after rehearse the message daily to know jesus embrace jesus and celebrate the message with other believers right rehearse the truth so you grow in christ don't, don't miss the glory of the gospel. Go deeper into it. Don't move on from it. Tim Keller says that the gospel is not the ABC to Christianity. And then we learn from their point. He said the gospel is the A to Z of Christianity. Everything that we know of Christ is confound in the gospel. J.D. Greer said, The gospel is not a classroom in the school of Christianity. It's the schoolhouse of Christianity. Everything we learn about God, we learn through the gospel. So celebrate it with other believers. And then know people and embrace people and share the message with unbelievers. Build relationships so you can tell your story how your story fits into god's story i'm not good at that i can listen i'm telling of a, of a lady who was blind she could not read and write she came to know jesus and here's what she asked the missionary to do will you give me a bible will you underline john three sixteen in red will you put a marker in the bible for me and she went out to her community and she stood in the marketplace, and she stood outside of schools, and she just cried out, "Can anyone here read French? Can anyone here read French? Can anyone here read French?" And when someone would come up and say, "I can read French," she would hold that marker up, and she said, "Could you read the ver? Could you read the words that are underlined in red for me?" And they would read out loud, John three sixteen, and then she would say, "Do you know what that means?" That missionary said. There are 24 full pastors who came to know Jesus because this woman was what she knew to do. She shared her story in his. And then last, keep reminding yourself that your work is to share and God's work is to save. I, I, I won't belabor the point, but I had dinner a few weeks ago with a man whose wife has been praying to come to know the Lord for years. He knew he was going to show up on a angelism day. And he this was the time, hey, it's not our job to save. It's our job to share We sow seed And God in his time Reveals the truth of Jesus To hearts And I got to sit in a restaurant with him Just a few weeks ago And over about a two hour dinner Of a lot of questions And a lot of wondering Which made it completely understandable to me Why he didn't get it Because there were just way too many questions Going on in that man's mind But as the Bible was opened And questions were asked, and the Lord began to do in his heart what he did in Peter's heart. He revealed the truth. That man over dinner at a restaurant right here in town, we bowed our heads together, and he prayed, confessing that Jesus was the one true Son of God who had come to save his soul. That is what we all are called to do We are called to share the good news Of our story and how it fits in his story And again miss carolyn had no idea that we were gonna that what my sermon was about we at all but when we began songs lord of all Was like wow and what was the first song that we sang what's that? Lord most high and i'm just thinking God, you're reminding me that this is truly all about you. You are our Lord and Savior. May we celebrate him. Would you pray with me? Father, I know that that, that this church, is we exist for your glory. Lord, I pray that we as, as your people, celebrate what you have done in our lives the work that you have come to do that you are still accomplishing and drawing us to the father through yourself and lord i pray that everybody here today they don't know you as the son of god as the messiah as the deliverer as the lord i pray that they would recognize that and god They don't see you as the true Savior, the one who has done everything. The work is complete for salvation. We just believe. God, I pray if there's anybody here that has not believed the full truth of Jesus, that today would be the day. Father, I'm sure there's some sitting here. We we believe it, but we don't live it like we should. God, my name's at the top of that list. I call you Lord, and yet I live my life sometimes the way I want to live. I call you Savior, and I still compare my good works to the good works of others. Oh, God, forgive me for my failures. Forgive us for our failures. And may we live lives to exalt Jesus, our Lord and Savior, wherever we go. And may you take this truth and work through our community, work through the lives of our church members, and as they go out, may we be ambassalists, ambassadors and evangelists, taking the truth of Jesus to those who need to hear it. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to pray a prayer, but I'll tell you this, I'll be at that back door